Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. If you, uh, if you brought a Bible with you or you have a Bible app on your mobile phone or your tablet, please turn with me to the book of Romans. We're actually going to be hopping around quite a bit in there. Um, and, and this morning we're in part four of this series titled Go, and it, which is a series that's all about, as we've been talking about the Great Commission and the, the part that we play in, in, in the Great Commission. And as we talked about, this series is about the command that Jesus gave us. The commandment is uh, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And as we kicked off this series, one of the things that we got clear about from the very very beginning is that the Great Commission, you know, and evangelism and, and making disciples is not just the work of a select few gifted people who are called in a full-time ministry. It's not just about pastors or missionaries or Sunday school teachers or evangelists. The Great Commission is really about all of us, every believer. If you're a Christian, then the Great Commission is about you because we all, every one of us have a part to play, whether you're young or old or rich or poor or married or single whether you're a brand new Christian or you're a veteran believer, we are all called to take part in the Great Commission because what we've come to understand you know, about this text is the focus of Jesus' words in this text isn't so much go as in, in the sense of going out in the street, to street witness or go to other countries as a missionary or, or to go to some big church rally, even though those are things that are, 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 are relevant ways to share the gospel. The emphasis of this text is all about making disciples. The emphasis of the Great Commission is making Christ followers. And, and so because of that, we understand that, that evangelism is, is only the very first part of this. Evangelism is the beginning of the process. It's not just the goal. The goal is to make disciples uh, who then go out and make disciples themselves. And so in week one, we recognize that. And, and we recognize that we all have a part to play in the Great Commission, and we all committed to getting involved in this part. And we committed to helping at least one other person that we know to become a disciple of Christ. You know, and, and the point is, is that we would help one other person come to know Jesus, and then we would help them to get plugged into a local church, and then we would help them to learn how to follow Jesus the way that we do. And then in week two, we looked at a story from the book of Acts that would help us to better understand how to, you know, how we, we get involved in the Great Commission. And this story in the book of Acts isn't where Paul's preaching to some big community or a big crowd or he's not debating in a public forum. Paul actually and his companion, they are in jail. They were thrown in a dark, nasty, dirty jail. And while they were in jail, they were able to make disciples of the jailer and his whole family. And the reason why they were able to do that is because of three things. Number one, they were sold out for Christ. Number two, these men valued other people above themselves. Number three, they were prepared, in, even in the worst circumstances, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. And so what we come to understand from this story is that if we're going to be effective in doing our part and actually you know, doing the Great Commission, then we need to commit to being sold all the way out for Jesus. We need to commit to also putting other people's interests above our own, and we need to commit to being ready all the time to make disciples wherever we go. And then the last week we actually got really practical because we started like talking about how to do this. How do we take part in the Great Commission? 
And as we talked about, Jesus in, in Mark 16, 15 tells us how to share the gospel, that we're supposed to do it with all creation or every creature, which means that we're to share the gospel with everyone. We don't have to go to some exotic location, and we don't have to travel to, to other communities to share the gospel, and that's what, what, what Jesus is calling you to do. Okay, we don't have to go far away to do that, because there are people already all around you who are lost. And we as Christ followers are to share the gospel with them, because we're to share the gospel with every creature. That means everyone. Why should we you know, go all the way out to some other town 100 miles away to street witness, when we have people in our everyday lives who need to know Christ? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go street witness. But what I am saying is that we must share the gospel with everybody we come in contact with in our daily lives. And so as we talked about, we need to recognize, you know, it takes serious about sharing the gospel with everyone around us. We need to, and we talked about how that on some level, everybody, everybody struggles to do this. We all struggle to get out of our comfort zone and, and talk to other people, you know, and, and especially those who, who, who are lost. And what we discovered is that there are three basic reasons people, people struggle with this. We, we, there are three reasons we struggle to do what Christ is calling us to do. And, and, and the reasons are this. It's fear lack of intentionality, and lack of know-how. We're either afraid to share the gospel, or we're just not intentional about sharing the gospel, or we just simply don't know how to share the gospel. And last week we addressed the first two. We talked about how fear uh, of failure, or fear of rejection, or fear of being perceived as a religious crazy nut um, gets in the way of us sharing Jesus you know, with, with, with people that we know. And as we talked about also that our fear should not actually be the thing that's getting in the way, but instead our fear should motivate us to share Christ because, because the stakes are really very high. Um, the truth is, those who don't know Christ are lost and they stand condemned already. And one day will face the judgment and the wrath of God. So we need not fear rejection, but instead fear that our inaction will allow someone to slip into eternity without hearing the good news of Christ. Our fear you know, for people not knowing Jesus should drive us to share the gospel. And then we talked about our lack of intentionality. The reason why so many of us don't share the gospel with other people is because we're just not intentional about it. We don't, we're just not focused or making a concerted effort or deliberate effort to share Jesus. And the reason for that simple is we just, we just don't have a plan. We just haven't planned to do it. The reason why we don't share the gospel with other people is we just don't have a plan to do so. And so last week we sought to correct that, and I gave you a template for a plan uh, that you can use to be intentional. And the plan really included three basic steps. Step one was to make a list. Make a list of ten people in your life that you know who don't know Christ. Because I know that you know at least ten people in your life who don't know Jesus. Okay, People that are in your life and in your circle of influence. And then step two, you're start praying for those people. Start praying for the people on your list. Pray that God would prepare their hearts and open the door for you to share the gospel. And then you need to pray for them every day. And then the third step is you need to prepare you need to prepare to share the gospel of those on that list. You need to start getting your heart and your mind ready to do this, which means you need to be in the Word, you know, ready, reading it every day. You need to be plugged in to Christian fellowship. You need to study the Word of God by reading books or even watching video Bible studies. And, and in fact, actually to help you to do this, last week we announced that we're going to give every one of you access to an online library of over 10,000 video Bible studies through Right Now Media in order to help you to get better prepared. In fact, let me just, let me just share with you a real quick video that, uh, that, that really gets more clear about this. Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer 
is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples of every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that scripture talks about. You're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free to every member of our church. You'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. Children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together, going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance. Applying God's word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ. And we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life. To experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. We are for you, and God is for you. He wants to empower you every day to live for Him. Together, we can be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. And this resource is available to all of you absolutely free. It won't cost a penny. And if you have ever bought any curriculum before, you understand how expensive it is. And, and basically you have access to tens of thousands of dollars worth of curriculum for free by some of the very best pastors and, 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 and teachers in, in uh, the English-speaking world. And so um, if you, if, now many of you actually may have received an email invitation this week um, to take part in this. If you did not get an email invitation, uh, please, you know, uh, take a second look and, uh, and maybe just check your uh, inbox or your spam filter. If not, you didn't get an email, then please take a moment and write your name down on one of them uh, uh, information request cards, um, you know, and, and your email address, and we'll make sure that you get an invitation to that. And, and on the side note here, right now media, because they're partnering with us, if we can get 32 people in our, in our congregation to respond to this and, and, and reply to the invitation uh, to, to use these free resources, right now media is going to send us a brand new um, Apple TV to use here in the church for free. So, yeah, so I'd like to make that happen as well. Uh, so, again, check your, your inbox or your spam filter. If you didn't get an email request, please let me know. Um, and if you want to just make sure, just write down your name and your email address on uh, one of those information request cards. Give it to me at the end of the service, or you can put it at the back table, and I'll make sure I get it. But um, with that resource, okay, that's, that's a huge resource. I mean, and, and you can use it for lots of different different reasons, but with that resource, um, it helps us with the third step in our plan, which is to begin preparing our hearts and our minds to share the gospel with other people on our list. Now, today, um, 
Uh, I want to talk about the last reason we struggle to share the gospel with other people. You see, besides the fear and lacking intentionality, we just struggle to do our part in the Great Commission because we just have a lack of know-how. Okay? We just don't know, you know how to do this. We don't know what to do or what to say. I mean, we're willing to overcome our fear. Okay? We're willing to make plans and follow through with those plans. But when push comes to shove, we don't know oftentimes what to say when we're face-to-face with an opportunity to tell other people about Jesus. Uh, but, but like Paul and Silas, they were in jail and they were ready and they knew exactly what to say. Philip, while he was on the road, met an Ethiopian eunuch you know, and knew exactly what to say to share the gospel. Peter, he was called to go talk to a Gentile named Cornelius and even though those circumstances were really strange to him and it made him uncomfortable, he still knew exactly what to say. The apostles and the disciples of Christ, as you read the stories over and over again in the New Testament, you'll notice they were constantly ready to share the gospel at a moment's notice. They were continually ready to, to do that. They knew what to say and they knew what to do. And for many of us, we just don't feel like that, we're, that we're, we're, we're ready like that. We just don't feel like we can do that. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And heaven forbid, you know, you start talking to someone and suddenly they start asking you questions that you don't have any idea what they're talking about. And, and so the lack of know-how then causes anxiety that becomes fear. And because of that, we struggle to do our part here. Well, the good news is we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about in great detail exactly what to do and what to say. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you, you know, some very practical tips and, and very practical application plans, and I'm going to do my best to, to help equip you so that you know what to do and what to say when the time is right to share the gospel of Christ with other people in your life. Now, before we jump in here, though, let me just take a moment and point out two important things. Number one, it doesn't matter how much information I give you. And it doesn't matter if I teach you the very best techniques for sharing Christ. If you're not committed to do the work to get prepared. Preparation is something you need to be committed to. Okay? It's an ongoing activity in your life. It needs to be a part of your regular life. Okay? And so you need to be in the word regularly. And you need to get plugged into Bible studies. And you need to take the time to, and, and, and to learn and to remember what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. And, and master these things and make them your own. That's what you need to be committed to do that. And then the second thing is I want to point out is that, that you know, you're going to do your part. Okay? You're going to do, do every bit of your effort to do your part, but we still need to let God be God. Okay? Um, which means is there going to be times you're just going to follow where, where, where God through the Holy Spirit leads you. you know, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, which means there might be times we're going to be talking to someone you're not prepared to talk with because you feel God urging you to do it. And there are going to be times that you're ready to talk to someone and you're going to feel the Holy Spirit pull you back just a little bit because the timing is not right. You just need to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that salvation is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're just the instrument. We just need to be sensitive to how he leads and how he works. And we need to trust that he will help us. In fact, Jesus tells us in the book of Acts, you know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my, you'll be my witnesses. Now, I realize in this particular context, what Jesus is talking about is when the Holy Spirit came the first time at Pentecost. Uh, when, but, but, but when you receive Christ, one of the things you have to understand, when you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, comes to live inside of us. Okay? And Jesus says the Spirit, when he comes, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide us in all truth. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and will guide you and lead you and equip you to fulfill okay, your part in the Great Commission. You just need to believe that he's with you and trust that he's at work through you. Now, 
with those things, everything that we've, we've talked about the last several weeks is really leading up to today, okay? I mean, this week I want to help you take the next step in doing your part for the Great Commission. And, 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 and we all know that we're called. We all know it, okay? That we're called to share the gospel and make disciples. And so we've committed to do that, and we've committed to selling out for Christ, and we've committed to putting, our, putting the lives in the interests of other people above our own, and we've committed to be ready to share the gospel with other people, and we've committed to, to, to a plan of action to make um, you know, a list of ten people to share the gospel, and we have committed to pray for them, and we've com- committed to pr- preparing ourselves to help other people know Jesus. Well, today is kind of where it all comes together. Today's really where it, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Because today, I'm going to walk you through what I believe this is the simplest, the simplest and clearest way to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to another person. I think it's the simplest and clearest way to help other people to understand what the gospel is. And as I go through this, I'm going to explain it, it to you. And, and you might be like, well, wait a minute. I think I've, I've heard this before. And if you've been here in this church for any length of time, you have heard it before. Because... We talk about it all the time, especially when I invite someone to trust Jesus for the first time. Okay, I walk through all these steps that I'm going to share with you today. And what I want, you, what I want to do is I want to share with you today the techniques of explaining the gospel uh, that is clear and easy and is based on what is known as the Romans Road. Now, the Romans Road is just is a great template in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ um, with other people. It's really, really easy. And it's easy because all the scriptures are in the book of Romans, and uh, it's a step-by-step way of explaining the gospel for other people. It's like leading people up the steps of a road that lead to salvation. That's why they call it the Romans Road. And, uh, and if you want more information about the Romans Road itself, you can Google it. You just type in Romans Road, and you'll have more information than you could, can stand uh, to watch or, um, or read. But there are videos and there's articles on how to use this method of evangelism. But what I want to share with you today is actually a modified version of the Romans Road. Okay? I'm still going to use most of the same scriptures, but there are a couple extra verses that I like to use to help make the gospel a little bit more clear and easier to understand. And so uh, before we jump in here, I want to take a second. And, 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 and if you'll just open up your bulletins, um, inside there's a note sheet that I've provided you with a label. Um, that, that, that's labeled the roadmap, um, and uh, and on it you'll, you'll see a list of like mile markers. They're like items one through nine. And if for some reason you don't have one of those sheets, we just raise your hand because uh, can I get Keith? You know the. If, if you don't have one of those, just, just raise your hand and Keith will make sure that you get one. Um, because this is the part I really believe that you're going to want to take notes for. So uh, so with that, uh, what we're going to do is, is we're going to walk through together. And I'm going to give you what these mile markers are on this roadmap. And, uh, and, and these mile markers are just simply the scripture references that you're going to need to learn in order to share the gospel effectively with someone else. Um, and these are the verses that will help you to easily and clearly explain the gospel of Christ to other people people. And as we go through through these verses, I will, will take a moment and kind of unpack them and explain them and help you see how they fit into the overall gospel narrative. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get started right here. Uh, the first step is mile marker one. Mile marker one is important because it actually opens the door up for us. It helps other people to see their need for salvation. You see, it doesn't matter how much you talk to people or how many times you invite them to church or how much you tell them about Jesus, you know, how he changed your life. None of that matters until they come face to face with the reality that they need something, that they need a Savior, that they need salvation. Because as long as they think, well, I'm okay, right? They're not going to respond 
to Christ. As long as they think that they're fine or that they can save themselves, they're incapable of responding to the gospel of Christ. You have to help them to see that there is a crisis in their life and that they need something that they don't presently have. And it starts with mile marker number one, which is Romans 3.23. In this verse, Romans 3.23, the Apostle Paul tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The first thing that we need to help others to come to understand is that they are broken, lost sinners. They have sinned, fallen short of God's glorious standard. They are broken human beings. They cannot see their need for Jesus until they understand the truth about their condition. That they are broken sinners. They are corrupt in their heart just like the rest of us. Now, they might protest and say, no, no, but I'm a good person. You know, I'm not a sinner. I'm a, I'm a good person. I do good things. But Paul tells us in this exact same chapter, he says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. You see... We have to help them come face to face with the truth that deep down, they actually really already know anyway that they're broken sinners. They think and they do things they know that's wrong. Okay? They have done things and continue to do things that they're ashamed of. And the reason why they're ashamed of these things is because deep down instinctively they know they've fallen short of something, that they've violated a set of standards that isn't from within them. It's a standard outside of them that originates with God. And so what we have to do is we don't have to convince them that they're sinners. We just have to, because they already know that, we just need to help them to admit it. That they would actually admit it to themselves. That they need to be honest with themselves and, and the rest of humanity. Just like the rest of humanity, they've fallen short. And because we fall short then, once they understand that they've fallen short and take ownership of that, then we go to mile marker two. Mile marker two is Romans 6.23. You see, there's consequences for our sin. And Paul explains to us, he says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, this is an interestingly worded passage because there are two words that you have to clearly understand in this passage. Wages and death. Okay? Why does Paul say the wages of sin is death? Why can't he just say, well, you know, you know the penalty of sin is death? Why does he say, why does he use the word wages? Well, the reason why he uses it is, is simple. When you go to work... And you do a job, you earn something. You earn your pay. You, your earned reward for your efforts is what you get paid. It is your wage. Your wage is what you justly deserve for your efforts. Well, this idea is exactly the same thing. Your reward as a sinner is death. That's what you have earned with your life. You, have, you deserve nothing else. Your reward for the life that you live because the sin in your life is death. Now, this word death is from this Greek word, um, thanatos. Thanatos is a, is a word in, Greek, in the Greek language that really has a complex meaning. Because it doesn't mean simply just physical death. It also means spiritual death. Okay? Or it means separation from life. Or separation from, the, from, from life, in, in essence meaning separation from the source of life. Or God himself. Another way to put this is, is hell. Because that's what hell is. It's eternal separation from God. Okay? That's what this word death means in this context. You see, sin always, always, your sin will always lead to death in some form or fashion. 
And we've seen in our own lives, sin leads to the deaths of, of, of family relationships and personal relationships. The sin in our lives leads to financial disasters. The sin in our lives leads to the death of our careers. It also leads to physical death. And, and because we live in a world that's covered in sin, we will all experience physical death. But sin also leads to spiritual death, which is separation from God or hell. So the wages of sin, what we justly deserve because of the sin in our lives, is spiritual death. We deserve it, and we deserve to be separated from God for eternity in hell. That is what we deserve. And so mile marker 1 and mile marker 2 combine to reveal for those who do not know God that they have a crisis in their lives. They are broken sinners, and because they are broken, they are already condemned, and one day will face God's judgment. And when they do, the sentence will be death. Permanent separation from God. permanently separated from his life-giving presence, which is what we call hell. Now, this is the point that so many people, including Christians, begin to become uncomfortable. This is the part of the gospel that people don't like to talk about. Nobody likes talking about hell, and nobody wants to talk about the wrath of God. In fact, people will say things, well, I just can't imagine a loving God sending someone to hell. Okay, it just doesn't seem fair to me. People get really uncomfortable with this idea, you know, that, you know, and they think about, you know, these nice and decent and good people around them that, they, that, 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 that will end up in hell. People don't like this part of the gospel because it seems unfair and extreme to them. But here's the bottom line truth. The reason why Paul says the wages of sin is death is because he's trying to emphatically make 100% clear, okay, that you and I absolutely unequivocally earned and deserve that because of our sin. We deserve to be judged and sentenced to an eternity apart from God in hell. End of story. That's what we have earned. That is what we deserve. And we all, every one of us, including our families and our friends and our children and our grandchildren and all the people we love and care about, all of us have earned the same wage. We all deserve that. And if God is righteous... And if he's holy in his righteousness, if he was to give us what we deserve, if God was just to give us all what we deserve right now, we all ended up in hell, God would still be holy and righteous and good and just. I mean, we would expect for judges, we expect right now in our life and our culture for judges to punish murderers and rapists and terrorists because justice demands as much. We expect that. We should also expect that a holy and righteous God would uphold justice as well. We all, every one of us, deserve eternity in hell. There are some who still, though, would protest and say, wait a minute, hang on a second. I'm not evil. I'm a good person. I do good things. I feed hungry people. I, you know, I walk old ladies across the street. You know, I rescue kittens and I give to every charity known to man. I live by the golden rule. I never try to hurt anyone. My good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. How can God send someone like me to hell? Well, let's just, this takes us to the third mile marker. And, and in this mile marker, we're going to step out of Romans and we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah makes it very clear that no one is good enough to escape God's judgment. Isaiah 64, 6. In fact, he says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, there's something in the language here as we examine this text that you have to understand. The idea of being unclean in Jewish tradition meant that you couldn't have close fellowship with other people until you were clean again. And it essentially meant that you couldn't be in the presence of God while you were unclean. 
You couldn't get near the temple courts. You couldn't get near the temple itself as long as you were unclean. And, and he says that we have all become like one who is unclean. We are all unfit to stand in the presence of God. And he says that, that all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, you know, or, or filthy rags, you know, some translate it. Now, what we have to understand about that culture is there are just certain things that made people unclean. If you touched a dead body, you were unclean for a while until you got clean. And if you came in contact with a leper, guess what? You were unclean. If you had an open wound, you were unclean. If you didn't take a bath, guess what? You were unclean. If, uh, if you were a, a, a female on your cycle, you were unclean until that cycle was over. If you were a man and you had relations with your wife while she was on her cycle, guess what? You were unclean. And what I bring this up, as uncomfortable as that subject is, well, the reason why I bring it up is because our English Bibles tend in certain passages to gloss over certain things that are in the, the Hebrew language, okay? Because there's a disgusting reality of what Isaiah is talking about here. You see, the Hebrew you know, uh, that Isaiah is using here is very, very graphic. When, when, when Isaiah says that all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, he, what he literally means is that our righteous deeds, they're not like dirty rags as we understand them. They're literally the rags that were used by women on, on their cycle. Okay? They were menstrual rags. And I know this is a really gross thought, okay? But this is exactly what Isaiah is saying. And, that, and the reason why he's saying this, you know, and the, he's using such graphic language, is because the image that he's trying to connect to our good deeds, he's trying to make a big, strong point here. And he uses this disgusting image and metaphor in connection with the righteous deeds by saying this, that the best that we can offer God is nothing but a disgusting, filthy mess. That's an important truth to take home, that the very best on our own that we can offer God is still a disgusting, filthy mess. The best that we can do, no matter how nice you are or how sincere you are, and no matter how much you sacrifice or cry or try hard, all our good deeds and efforts to be right in the eyes of God fail miserably. And it's not because our good deeds aren't good. Understand that. It's just that our, our, our sin is so bad and it stains everything in our lives, even our good deeds. Your sin in your life stains all your best efforts. You are unclean. And your, and your good deeds are unclean because of that sin. Which means there's nothing you can do to be right in God's eyes. Nothing. You can't give enough. You can't sacrifice enough. You can't work hard enough. You can't be righteous enough to remove the stain of the sin in your life. You can't stand in the presence of God. Okay? And so where this leaves us then, where this leaves us is you're a broken sinner, deserving death, with absolutely no possible way to fix it on your own. That's where we are. This is the point, you know, where the person you're talking to should actually become to see how hopeless that they really are. Because they can't receive the hope of the gospel until they actually, you know, understand this. They can't receive the, the hope of the gospel if they have hope in something else. Right? In order to receive hope from the gospel, you must recognize how hopeless you are without the gospel. And that's, that's where we are at mile marker three. We're sinners condemned with no way out unless God does something for us. But then, mile marker four. This is the mile marker where we move from Isaiah to the book of John, and where we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. See, once we come face to face with the fact that we are hopeless, and then we're ready to receive the glorious truth of the gospel, that God loved the world, which means he loved you and you and you. And he loved you so much, he did what any person who was in love would do. He gave. He gave, and he gave what was most precious to him. His son, Jesus Christ, who himself turned around, because of that same love, he gave his very life. And so that whoever believes, whoever, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, present tense, eternal life. Which leads to marker four, five. Mile marker 5 is, we have John three eighteen. It spells it out completely for us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. You see, John makes it absolutely clear. There is no middle ground. None whatsoever. There is no other way to salvation. You are either, you believe or you don't believe. You either believe and you live and you, or you don't believe and you die. You believe and you're saved or you don't believe and you stand condemned. There is no middle ground. There is no alternate route. There is no other option. You either believe or you don't believe and that's it. But if you choose to believe... That leads to mile marker 6. Mile marker 6, Paul tells us exactly what we must do to be saved. He says in Romans 10.9, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. You confess that Jesus is your Lord. He is your Lord. You are not your Lord anymore. He is your Lord because, and because of that you trust him and you obey him. Not yourself. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now this is really a critical part because, because you absolutely must believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You must absolutely believe in the literal physical resurrection of Jesus Christ to be saved. Why? Because a dead Messiah can't save you. A dead Jewish prophet cannot save you. But the living God can absolutely save you. When Jesus rose from the dead, he proved two things. He proved, number one, that he is who he claimed to be, the Messiah and God in the flesh. And number two, he proved that he's capable to do what he promised to do, which is to save all those who trust in him. If he didn't come back from the dead, then you can't trust him. But because he was resurrected, you absolutely can trust him with your life and with your eternity. And so in order to be saved, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That, my friends, is the good news. The good news is that you're a broken sinner condemned to die because of your sin. There's no way of fixing it, which means you're hopeless. But God loved you so much he made a way for you to be saved. You can either believe and live or not believe and remain condemned. But if you believe, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is how we share it with people. We just walk them through these mile markers. You help them to see that they're sinners just like the rest of us. And because of that, they will face God's wrath. And that there's no way to fix it. And so they're hopeless in their sin unless God helps. But God does help and he makes a way and he sent his son to die for us. And all we need to do is to choose to believe 
or not believe. But if we choose to believe, then we confess that Jesus is our Lord and believe the truth about his resurrection and you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It's a simple process. And every step in the process is backed up by God's own word. That is how you share the gospel. That's the simplest and the clearest way to share the gospel with someone else. It's very clear and effective. And when they're ready to make this leap, okay, and give their life to Christ, you know, you can take these steps and actually turn them into a prayer and pray them, you know, with them. Okay, and it goes something like this, and this is probably where you heard it. Lord, right now, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm rightfully condemned and there's nothing I can do about it. I cannot save myself. I am hopeless without you. But I believe your word when it tells me that you love me so much you sent your son. And if I would believe in him, I would be saved. And if I don't believe in him, I'm condemned. Well, Lord, today I declare I believe and I confess that Jesus is my Lord. And I, you know, and, and I believe with all my heart that you rose him from the dead, proving that he is all that he claimed to be. And that he can do what he promised to do, which is to save a sinner like me. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Help me to walk with you the rest of the days, with the rest of the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. It's as simple as that. That is how you share the gospel with someone else. It is absolutely that simple. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, going, "Wait a minute, um, Sherman. We're only at mile marker six. You got like nine listed here. What am I? What am I missing here? Well, once a person trusts Christ, that's not the end of the Great Commission. Okay. Remember, Jesus says to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's mile marker 7. Okay? We need to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to help them to get plugged into the body of Christ. Okay? We need to help them to become a member of the church and help them get plugged in. And then the next step of that, after, after getting saved, is, is getting plugged into the local church. Um, and then we go to mile marker 8. And it says that they need to be taught to obey Jesus' commands, just like we have been taught, which means we need to help them to get plugged into a discipleship program. Okay? So it goes from Matthew 28, 19 to Matthew 28, 20. All right? See, the first step is, is getting them saved. The second step is, is baptized and plugged into the church. The third step is a discipleship program. We need to teach them everything that Jesus commanded us to do, like loving each other as Christ loved us and loving our neighbors and loving our enemies and putting the interest of other people above our own. We need to help them to follow Christ passionately with all their hearts. And then, mile marker 9, is Romans ten seventeen. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, after a person is saved, baptized, and plugged into a discipleship program, they too need to get involved and go out and share the gospel with someone else. See, that's how it's done. That's how discipleship works. That's what the Great Commission is supposed to be. Disciples going out making more disciples. And all you have to do is just walk someone down this road. One mile marker at a time. It's as simple. Now, I want you to notice, I keep saying the word simple. I didn't say that it was easy. Because I know it's not easy to talk to other people. I know that it will take some work to take all this to get it inside of you. I know that it's not easy to memorize Bible verses and, and keeping them clear in your head. It's not easy. But let me just be really, really clear. You absolutely can do this. 
with some preparation and prayer and some practice, you can do this. You can walk people down this road. You have it within you, the ability, because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, to do this. If you're committed to do your part, if you're committed to selling out for Christ, if you're committed to putting the interests of other people above your own, if you're willing to be prepared to share the gospel with others, you can do this. I mean, you've already made several commitments. You've committed uh, to, to making a plan. You've already made, it, you know, made, made a commitment to, to identify ten people in your life who need to know Christ. You've already committed to praying for them and, and, and helping God open the door for that. Well, then just take the next step, which is to prepare. Prepare. And the way that you prepare is to take this roadmap and, 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 and learn these verses. You take the time to become familiar with these verses so you can walk people down this road. And the way that you prepare to do this, well, guess what? That's your homework. Okay? Your homework this week is to, number one, take this list and look up the scriptures that are listed there. And then, number two, write them down in order. You know, actually write out the actual verses. They're not very long. Make your own roadmap with the scriptures all written out. And number three, practice sharing this with other people. Make it part of your daily life to just take a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, walking through these, reading them, memorizing them, you know, talking to, 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 to people in your mind in a conversation about what they mean. And then number four, make, make copies of these and then put them in places for easy access. Maybe you can put a copy in your wallet, you know, or maybe a copy in your purse or even your Bible or whatever book you're reading. Now that we have a handy reference guide when you're wanting to, to talk to people. If you sincerely are trying to share the gospel with people, they're not going to be offended if you have to, like, take a piece of paper out and read, okay? That's your homework, though, for this week. It's just look up the verses, write them out, practice sharing them, and then make copies for easy reference. Now, we still have a lot more to talk about in this series. I mean, I'm not expecting, okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not expecting for you to go out tomorrow, you know, and go to work, you know, and with this roadmap in your hand, and first thing in the morning and go across the first person you see, okay? I'm not, I'm, I'm not expecting that to happen. I mean, for some of you, that might be kind of awkward, okay? Because the truth is, some of you might still need to build some, build some rapport with the people that you want to share the gospel with, okay? Some of your friends, you need to build that rapport, you know, uh, or maybe even some of your family members, you need, to, you, you need to build that rapport before you jump right in there and start just trying to hit them over the head with this, all right? There, there's still more that we need to talk about. In fact, um, what we're going to do next week is we're going to actually create, um, we're, we're going to talk about how, how we can create natural opportunities, natural opportunities to share the gospel with other people um, so that they're receptive to this roadmap. And we're going to look at the Bible to find out the best ways to create those opportunities to share this with other people. So again, your homework this week is, you know, I'm going to urge you to look up these verses, take the time to write them out, okay, you know, practice sharing them and make copies for, for, for reference and, and continue to pray for those people on your list. Um, and, and that God would prepare their hearts and he would prepare you and that, would, that you be prepared to do what you and I both know God is calling you to do, which is to go make disciples. So let me pray for you. Father God, you're so gracious to us. And I just thank you for the clarity and the simplicity of your word. And I thank you for the clarity and the simplicity of the gospel of, of Jesus. And, and I just pray, Lord God, that you would just give us that, that burning desire and passion to just stop talking about it and get out and do it. 
that we would memorize these verses, we would take them and make them a part of our very own heart, Lord. We'd write these scriptures on the tablet of our heart, Lord, and that we'd be willing and able to share um, this with every person that uh, we come in contact with. Not that we're just going to run around just you know, in act, acting a fool, though Paul says that I'm foolish for the, for the gospel, but that we would actually create those opportunities where we can actually get eyeball to eyeball with, with other people and help them to see your love and your hope and your healing. And Lord, that we would help them to get saved and rescued. Lord, there are people that need you desperately. There are people all around us you know, who need you and your love. There, there are broken marriages. There are people that are addicted. There are people who are just covered up in, in, in every vice and sin. There are people who are just broken hearted that need to hear from you. And your people are the ones that go out. And I just pray, Lord, that you would lift up this group of people, that you would prepare their hearts to go out and share the gospel with everybody in our community and our world at large. And I just thank you, Lord God. And we give you the praise, the honor, and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.